dressed and engorged blood vessels. <laughs> 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 Sounds like a great combination. It was a li- no, it was Nelson. I don't know. Yeah. Oh, that's that's us. There we are. Yeah, that's very slouching towards enlightenment of you. Is it good? Yeah. Do some people have good posture when they when they meditate? podcast? <laughs> Definitely, yes. Yeah, some people have really. Thanks, Adam. Podcaster. Um, podcaster. Podcaster. Thank you for we'll, that. We'll fully credit Adam with that joke. Okay, the babies. The, the, I will. The kids sound like they're being attacked they by a bobcat. <laughs> There's the monster. Right <laughs> mm. Okay. Okay. So, right, so wait. Remember wait. to first remember to talk into the mic. Okay. okay. Thank you. Thank did you, you want to that. finish the posture conversation? Yeah, I have. I, d- I was actually else? wondering about that. Okay. So, do people have good posture when they meditate? Yes. There's all sorts of different kinds of people with. There's as many postures. kinds of meditators as there are people. <sighs> yes. <laughs> there's. There's. Oh God! This is all. Here we go. <laughs> um. <laughs> all right. Okay. We're. Why? Why does this? I, it's why does this always every happen? single time? <laughs> um, well, we're not used to this. We haven't recorded in six weeks, right? No, Seven, and so five? much has happened since then. A lot has happened, but anyway, there are people with great posture. But in our tradition, in Vedic meditation, you always want back support, no matter what. Wait, you should have your back against something. Yes. What? Yes, you didn't know this. No. Where do you meditate? In a chair. But that's back support. But I don't use the back. Why? Because I thought I needed not to. What? <laughs> what? How did you? What? How did you not know this? Well, I have good posture. It doesn't matter. And... If you're holding yourself up. Okay, listeners. <laughs> I did. I just want to go on record and say I did tell Brienne this. I don't in remember. Four I don't days. remember. I always that. say back support. Always. You've heard, I bet you hear me say it in one of the podcasts. But anyway, for, uh, forget all that. Is there a way to quickly search our podcast? No, we can. Like you we can, can an email. We'll, back we'll, we'll give, um, yeah, we'll, someone, we'll s- please up. one of our fans find it. It's an Easter egg. <laughs> yes. And then you'll, you'll get a, um, you'll get an autographed copy of Hank. <laughs> <laughs> so the reason we want good, so like you can sit straight up but have back support. You can sit a little bit like leaning. Um, you don't want to lean so far or recline so far that now your head needs support. My head if, sometimes sinks though. That's fine. Okay. But if you're leaning back, like like right now I'm just sort of sitting back in the chair and now I'm like even back further. But if I go back too far at some point, my head's going to need support. Okay. So if your head needs support, you're reclining too much. So between that point and sitting up straight, it's fine as long as you have back support. The reason you need back support is if you're just sitting up and meditating, then it, your abs are engaged and engaged abs will excite the nervous system. And, it, and we're trying to de-excite the nervous system. So this could be one of the reasons why things haven't been going well for you in meditation. <laughs> you need back support. Damn it. This is why everybody should go to group meditations as much as like the back jacks for the rounding retreat, are, are set up where, where you have to. I was to. definitely into the back jacks. Yeah. I didn't get to spend that much time with the That's back true. jacks, but I liked A, saying back jacks, back jacks, back jacks, back jacks, back yeah. jack. <laughs> and B, they were very fun to sit in on. In. They are, but I want you to have back support from here on out. And that's, that is a, that's not a suggestion. That's, that's about as it's much of an order okay. that you're going to get from me. <laughs> Everybody, I, I see people learn this and then they're out like, you know, doing sitting up and crisscross applesauce at the straight back. If you're if you're going to transcend. Tell you grew up in the 50s. Crisscross applesauce. What? Well, Chris, crisscross corn pudding doesn't sound that good. Crisscross cinnamon toast crunch.
Um, yeah, have back support because if you're transcending, think about it. When you move into your least excited state, that means every single muscle fiber is relaxed in your body. Your cells are relaxed. Your molecules are de-exciting. Everything's de-exciting. And you know how you say your head starts to go down. Right. A lot of people experience that. But if you have back support, then you can do your back will be able to do it. And you can start slumping and and you're surrendering to the physiology de-exciting, and then you can go deeper. So just from here on out, back support. Chair's great. Just get sit back into the chair. Do you have a favorite place to meditate? Um, yeah, I, I usually like meditating. I was going to make a terrible joke. Um, <laughs> I think I know where that joke was going. It was so dumb I should have said it. <laughs> it was so dumb. Um, do I have a favorite place to meditate? I have a favorite kind of, I don't know if it's a place, but it's a, it's a, it's a scene. Oh, the scene no, is even better. I, I think it's this. I like meditating. I like, here's my ideal meditation. It's about 5 a.m., 5.30 a.m., and I wake up, and it's storming out and raining, and it's cold. That is my favorite meditation. And I'm in bed. Sitting up with back support, like blankets. with a headboard, yeah, or like pillows. Like, I okay. when I sit up in bed, I'll put pillows behind me against the headboard, okay, and you know, sit up and have back support there. But I want, I want to hear rain, I want it to be a little chilly, I want to be curled up in blankets. That's ideal, okay, that's my favorite. Uh, when I was in Bali, I remember like I'd meditate on the out on the beach, like under a palm tree, yeah, sucks. <laughs> sucks it might look good also but not where i thought that was yeah because you're like sitting on the root of a palm tree right. and you can't lean back on it because it's spiky yeah and they're kind of graded they're like graded exactly yeah. yeah and and there's wind and then like the sun moves and then now you're getting burnt on half your face <laughs> so, so that explains all the photos of you with like half of your <laughs> exactly <laughs> do you have a favorite place to meditate yeah the chair up in my room is where i meditate every day okay so try leaning back it's just, a really deep chair can you get back and then do cr crisscross oatmeal I crisscross cr <laughs> apple butter I do <laughs> I do I crisscross in the chair but I sit up like this Why? okay so you're, so you're so you're you're like that but with back support but now but the chair goes really far back. But now can you do what you're doing there all the way back? I mean, I could try. I don't know that my legs would feel good about that. Right. Because I'd be so back in the chair. Then put put a pillow. I'm not unhappy with my meditation pose, by the way. Okay. Well, I am. <laughs> no, I'm not. Happiness is an inside job. <laughs> it has nothing to do with what's outside of me. So, okay. Wait. So what are we doing? So. Wait. Let's introduce ourselves. Yes. Go What's ahead. your name? Who I are always you? say I always say my what name first. What the hell first. are you doing in our basement? You say <laughs> you say your name first. <laughs> this is sorry. We haven't done this in a while. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Do I have to say I'm my name? Theodore Alex Burkhart. <laughs> I forgot your middle name is Alex. Yeah. My name is Brienne Christine Rose. Christine. Christine. Really? Yeah. I didn't know that. Without an H. Oh, okay. That my parents then it's, still regret. Really? Yes. Sorry to all you Christines out there. We're not, Brienne's not trying to be purposely offensive. <laughs> There's an H in it. We just lost, lost all of our Christine with an H. I mean, my fans. <laughs> my mom once apologized to me for not including the H. Really? Yeah. They regret it. Wow. But it's my name. Okay. Christine without an H. Brienne Christine. Rose. Yes. Were you ever going to be named anything else? Did your mom have a last minute like, oh, Judy or <laughs> Joyce? How about Joyce? Definitely not Judy or Joyce. I think that was always. It was always the one. It was always my name. Yeah. Yeah. It's the name of an elementary school in France that Napoleon went to. Christine. No. Brienne. No, just kidding. Okay. All right. Brienne. That was. Wait, let me go back and laugh at that. <laughs> 
Okay. And this is slouching towards enlightenment. This is slouching towards enlightenment. Yes. And um, this is... And we're is, not slouching. We're not... Yes. So we're not slouching. Today. You can slouch as long as you have back support. So this is slouching towards enlightenment. Yes. And this is a podcast designed um, basically with me and Brianna mine as a outlet to make dad jokes and talk about consciousness. I think our dad jokes have gotten better. I think they've improved. Yeah. Yeah. Is that a problem? What? Behind you? That uh, those the screens turned off? Oh, let me or is it just go did it just go to sleep? Oh, it's fine. I think it just went to sleep. Hold on. No, we're good. Yeah, we're good. The numbers are going. Um but this 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 is a mini sode, right? A mini episode? Yeah, we'll see. Okay, we'll see. We'll see how it goes. <laughs> uh, but a year ago yesterday, we released Slouching Towards Enlightenment on Buzzsprout. Yes. And then a week ago, no, a year ago on the 29th, the day after tomorrow, is when it appeared on Apple Podcasts. So this is... Are, we're one year in. We're right in between. Yes, we're exactly. We're in that little saddle between the two um, releases of this podcast. So this is kind of an anniversary. We've been doing this for what, t- 10 episodes? Well, 10 or 11. Or 12. Well, no, sorry. We actually have 18. <laughs> 18 we, to 20. Right, but we lost about. We have some secret ones, we have some lost ones. We have erased ones. Erased ones. We have the first three that just never worked out. Right. Maybe what we can do because there's probably bits from each one. We could do like a medley podcast yes. once yeah. and just stitch those three together. The, the greatest hits. Yeah. Exactly. Of the missing podcasts. Yeah. yeah. So it's been a year. So how are you feeling? <sighs> it's been a good year. We started. We started this. We thought, let's do this thing. Yeah. Um, we thought that our moms were going to be the only listeners. It turns out I still don't even know if my mom. Listens my mom has to this. never listened. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, she did listen to the first episode. Mm-hmm. She did. Yeah. But my dad's a fan. Michael was on this episode. Michael was on it. Yes. But I don't know if he even listens to it. Did he listen to his own episode? <sighs> I doubt it. Should we do an episode where we sit him down and make him listen <laughs> to the episode? <laughs> that would be that would be a good. <laughs> That would be an, um, that would be amazing. It'd be nice to get Cassidy and Haley and Michael all together, yes. and then make them listen to it. Yes, force their face like near the speaker, really close, really aggressively. Yeah, yeah, and then play it full blast. Yep. Yeah. Give them some impairment with their hearing. <laughs> They're listening. <laughs> <laughs> so after a year and like what is it, like ten mm-hmm. episodes? Yeah. Any favorite moments? Anything? Any regrets? <laughs> <laughs> On your deathbed, you'll be like, I had a great life, except I, think, I probably shouldn't have started Okay, I think I regret. Mm-hmm. I don't have regrets in life, first of all. I don't believe in regrets. But I think I feel sorry for everyone else who didn't get to hear those first three. Yeah. Because they were good. There were some good ones. Yeah. Or maybe technically it was, yeah, we won't number them. Right. But those were good and they were fun. Yeah. It's kind of like those are, that that was basically, um, that was like our baby talk. Yeah. We were just like getting, getting it out, trying, because it was, it's very weird the first time we turned on the microphones. I remember suddenly being really embarrassed. Like we had, we were like, okay, let's go. And we looked at each other. I was like, what are we doing? Why? Who thought this was a good idea? Ew. What are we? I know. And I me. did. We um, both did. We both did. But then once we started, I thought, what if we have nothing to say? Right. What if we're. Um, and look at us now. We can't stop talking. <laughs> yep. It's true. It's true. Um, yeah, I think that's my, I think that's the only, my only, um, you know, that's a shame. Yeah. That. That those aren't out, but um, I certainly have some favorites. What are yours? My favorite moments? I don't know. Something about the hot cream just still tickles me. Yeah, I don't know what I don't know what it is, but when I think about that, I just it was so stupid and and hilarious. I liked having all the guests on. I think that's always fun. Yeah, to get someone else in here and let them do all the work. (laughs) (laughs) And we've chosen well. Yes. 
I think we had yeah, five. Yeah, Haley and Cassidy and Michael yep. were all fantastic. Cassidy twice, let's not forget. Cassidy twice. Oh, but the second time. But the second one is, that's, is right. that's our last episode, our yes. Christmas episode. Our Maybe there will be episode. a miracle. Yeah. But probably not. Hope for that. Yeah, I will. Um, I really liked, this is a pre-podcast thing, I love that Fredo let us use... Um, uh, what's it called? Supplicant song. Yeah. So tell us about that because this has now come full circle. Yes. Okay. So Fredo Viola, he in in the beginning of the, this podcast, you always hear that music and then the singing. This is a friend of mine who I met in third grade, and I guess that would have been September of seventy seven, I think. That makes the most. Yeah, that makes sense. September, September of seventy seven. Or is it September of seventy six? I don't. I don't really remember. But um, but I had just gotten kicked out of private school in Beverly Hills, and I was forced to go to uh, Rosewood Elementary in in West Hollywood. And I saw him, and this other kid sitting next to him, and I became best friends with them. So I've known Fredo. We we became friends really quickly, and I was friends with him all through grade school in Hollywood, and. He was always super talented. This kid was like singing opera as a kid. He was a really good artist. He was a fantastic singer. He turned me on. I remember him like turning me on to music I'd never heard of. Like I in I think in like fifth grade or sixth grade he was into or seven whenever it was he was into like David Julian and Japan. <laughs> you know, like what kid listens to Japan? That's so funny. Um, he was uh, he was always kind of ahead of the curve and really in touch with the music and and then we lost touch for a long time. And then when I found him again, he was making just incredible music. And we got back in touch. We started to, you know, communicate and hang out. And he used to send me, like, his albums or give me, you know, CDs and stuff. And then I heard, well, I was going to start a podcast, like, a few years ago. But that got bungled, and I'm so glad that it did. Because it (laughs) wouldn't have been this fun or good. And then, and I was thinking about another song by his, which I played for you, and you were like, "Yeah, that that works," but then that couldn't work out, yep. and uh, and then we sort of settled on this, and so many people talk about it and ask about it, so it's called Supplicant Song. It's Fredo Viola. Yep, it's on iTunes. It's on iTunes. It's, on it's worth going on um, YouTube and looking at the video for that. YouTube Fredo Viola Supplicant Song. And then, uh, and then when I was just in Woodstock two weeks ago, I taught Fredo this technique. So he, he's been a meditator for a long time, but he wasn't a Vedic meditator. I think he was doing some kind of a mindfulness technique okay. or something. Or I have a question. Yeah, see you down in front. Um, thank you. Does it bump you when people say, oh, I meditate? Bump? Yeah. Do I feel bumped? Like, does it make you feel like, ugh? When, when people say, oh, yeah, I meditate, but they don't even have a name for what it is, or they, they meditate maybe once every six months or something like that. Okay, I don't know what bump means. <laughs> <laughs> Does it, like, ruffle your feathers? Uh, no. It's, it's generally an opportunity when people say that they meditate. Yeah. And then what, what I'll ask them is, what are they doing? And I'll ask them about their experience. So they might say, oh, yeah, I meditate every day. I do this thing, and I, what do you do? I close my eyes, and I sit there, and I just, I don't know, focus on my breath or whatever. And that's beautiful that anybody is trying to meditate. Um, what ruffles my feathers is when they, when they won't. Well, see, the thing is, is I, I, I have to wait for some worthy inquiry. So I try and tease it out of them to see if it's there. Right. I'll say, like, you know, I teach this. You know, it, it's, it's kind of there are different kinds of texts. I'll just give them a little bit. And if they ask more questions, then I'll kind of start to reel them in a little bit and tell them more and more. And hopefully they become interested, but a lot of times they won't. They'll just be like, Oh, that sounds really cool. Yeah. I like what what I do. And that's it. What can I do with that? You can't force anybody. Um, But Fredo always asks questions. And then uh, after a few conversations, and I think even after listening to this podcast, he got really interested. So when I was, in Woodstock, I initiated him, had a puja, he learned, and he's loving it. And then he said something really sweet. He said, uh, he said, now that I practice this, and now that I know what 
the experience I'm experience I'm having in this meditation, I feel even more proud that Supplicant Song opens Aww. up your podcast because he's like, now it means something to me. So I thought that was really sweet. That is so special. Yeah. But now he feels happy that his song is on the yeah. podcast, which and I'm sure he ha- felt moderately happy. Before. I think so. I think he was. Yeah. I yeah. think he was. He was happy about it. And, and when I always would tell him, like people love it, and but now he's. What now that he knows what he's doing, and and practicing, I think he's like, okay, this is that went to good use. Yes. Yeah. So. <clears throat> so you've initiated. I've initiated Fredo, Fredo, and to think maybe that wouldn't have happened if we didn't start this. Right. There's there's people who have learned meditation through this podcast, that if we had not started this podcast, they wouldn't be meditators right now. And that's pretty cool. That is pretty cool. And like. Like Julie Goldman, who uh, came to the retreat. Well, so I want to talk about the retreat because that has occurred. I mean, a lot has happened since our last podcast. A lot has happened. You since had the retreat. I had the Freda retreat. Freda learned. Freda learned. I became completely enlightened. Oh, yeah. I, yeah. This just in. <laughs> Brienne is completely enlightened. She she even she even got the completely enlightened certificate <laughs> this morning. <laughs> Bad to joke about that? No, no, no. Okay. No, I mean we never we never want to fully embrace sarcasm simply right. because it it's not the language of nature and our what we say is so powerful that if we sometimes if we rely too heavily on sarcasm it, it's actually confusing to nature because nature is waiting to respond and is trying to help us manifest and create a future. So if we you know, get a flat tire and we go, oh, great. Well, nature doesn't know how to interpret that. Right. Nature just says, okay, you got a flat tire. We can uh, organize three more for you if that's if you think that's great. Oh, no. Yes. This is how this is working? Yes. So a lot of meditators get misunderstand this. Dear nature, I'm sorry I've confused you so many <laughs> times. <laughs> um, people will say, like, I don't like that bit about the sarcasm. It's not, it's, it's, that's like saying I don't like that bit about gravity. It's a law of nature. It's, uh, it's a subtle law of nature, but it is. So it's not like you're being punished for using sarcasm. It's just that if you, if you say to somebody, um, you know, like, uh, I, I, I don't know, say some sarcastic, like to a child or something, some one of our idioms that doesn't make sense and they take it literally and do it, and then who's to blame? The child's just innocent, right? And nature is just innocently trying to uh, meet what you are putting out there, right? So, but a little bit like I got the enlightenment. Um, there sh- there has to be room for playfulness as well, and we don't. If we get too, I know people who are like who would jump on what you said. Oh, that's sarcasm. Right. It's like no. Then now there's no room for playfulness, which is also nature. You have to have you you have to know the range and play within it and you know if you feel like you're being sarcastic you don't punish yourself for it you just think okay maybe i better not put that out there right <laughs> um like i remember one time my teacher said something uh he was he was saying something as an example he's like he's like oh yeah like you know like if i got st- you know struck by lightning right now and then he stopped and he, and he looked up and he goes i'm not putting that out there <laughs> <laughs> he just he, just a little self awareness right. goes, goes a long way. Okay, but anyway, Bree's enlightened. It happened. <laughs> it happened. She got the certificate this morning. It, it says Sears Robux on the. Yeah, bottom, which it, I, I did was a buy weird. the certificate. I did pay someone for the certificate, <laughs> but other than that, I'm where, sure it's legitimate. Where are you going to put it? Up on my wall, of course, in my office. Oh, that's very nice. Yeah, in your office. Enlightened, and if anyone has been, if if so, there. <laughs> if anyone. <laughs> If anyone tries to, uh, you know, oppose me or... You just show them your certificate. I'm just going to show them the certificate and that will clear everything up. I think that's a great idea. Yeah. Another... Okay. I want to say this too. What? No, yes. Okay. Because another person who learned because of... I think it's more because of the podcast, but um, our youngest fan of the podcast learned. Yes. River. 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 So... River is uh, the son of a couple of students slash good friends of mine in in Hollywood, and I've known River probably since he was five, and he just turned eight, I think, 
and he uh, and he's a listener of this podcast. And his mom, Carissa, said, "No, whenever we get into the car, and I ask him what he wants to hear, he's always like, let's listen to Slouching Towards Enlightenment.'" <laughs> Seven-year-old kid was saying this, and uh, and so I initiated him the last time I was in LA. That is about the a month most ago. Glowing endorsement. Isn't that, that we cool? Could ever hope to get. Yeah. From anyone. Yes. Yes. So River, both Bree and I are very excited. River. Yes. Thanks for I listening. I can't wait to meet you. <laughs> um, so that was cool. Oh, so what, what were you going to say? The retreat. Retreat. Cool. Yeah. That I only got to visit. And, and visited in quarters. Yes, yeah. and then and then and then you had to have your own program because of the kids. Yeah. But that's okay. Yeah. Um. Yeah, it was. Those things are always interesting because on the first night when you're teaching rounding everyone's kind of looking at each other and, and, and no one really knows each other. A few people know each other. And then by the end, everyone's kind of family. Yeah. It's really sweet to see that cohesiveness, you know, and, and, and those, and everybody go from like, you know, they're kind of like, you're doing the asanas and thinking, how is this going to work? How is this going to do anything? And then by the end, people are having experiences, whether it's, you know, major deep experiences or stress release. I just thought it was very sweet, and we were with each other. I mean, all day and all night. Um, it was a good group. It was a good group. It was a really good group, yeah. and that doesn't happen every time. Yeah, I've been on some retreats, and you're like, you know, whoa, who invited this half, or whatever. Like people just like freaking out, or or not being friendly, or. But this was a very good, sweet group, and and also a sweet. Group. It was a sweet, sweet group. <laughs> but it was also cool because there are some experienced rounders who were able to go off on their own and that didn't offend anybody or yeah. you know, I know like Pete and Drea, they they sort of went off and did their own thing sometimes and um but it was uh I th- I thought it was great. I thought it worked out really well and um yeah. and it was nice to do and the next one will be in Bali in May. Nice. Fingers crossed, as long as Indonesia stays open. Um, Do they plan to close? I don't know, but they were. It was just. It was pretty bad there last year, right? Right. And so you know, we've we've had to cancel two two times in a row, which is super disappointing. Do you have a spot that you like there? Yeah, Te- it's it's called Gaia o- Oasis in Tejakula, and the last time Georgia Vavasor from New Zealand and I led a group, we had I think twenty five people. Yeah. And it was a, it was a, it was an amazing retreat, and my favorite part of that retreat, and we do this um, when we go this time, is at sunrise everybody goes out into the ocean and swims and watches the sunrise while we're sitting there treading water in the Bali Sea, and it's fabulous, it's great. And then everybody goes off and round. Dave just got very starry eyed. Did I? Yeah. Did I get? Yeah, I, I could. Feel, I felt it. I felt like. You could yeah. feel the ocean. I, I could feel, <laughs> I could feel the, uh, yeah, the uh, ocean foam uh, spilling out of my eyes. Is it also a four-day retreat, or is it longer? Because you've gone it's far. about, I think we did eight days oh, wow. last time. Seven eight or days eight. of rounding? Uh, well, there's, there's included, so that would be more like mm-hmm. six, in a sense, six full days, because there's arrival day and departure day. Right. So you have, um, so the first day, there's a meeting, and then you teach rounding, and then you could start the next day, bring people up and down before you have to leave. So up and down, up and down. Oh, up. Sorry, up and rounds, down and rounds. So you start oh, maybe like it. four rounds, and then the next day you might do six or eight. Got it. You want to come down slower than you go up. Okay. Um, you just want to be careful coming down. Yeah. So yeah. Do you miss that you don't get to round when everyone else is? If no. Leading the retreat. No, but that's why I went on a rounding retreat. Um, in Sedona, yeah, yeah, in in the summer where I rounded, and I and I even had a light program, and I still had massive stress release. Yeah, almost for the first time, out of out of all the rounding retreats I'd ever been on, this is the one that got me. After teaching for I almost ten that. years, you yeah. remember? <laughs> I do remember. Okay, I definitely. I was remember out of that. sorts. You were. <laughs> um. So. Yeah. So what else did you want to recap about it? Well, I think it was just a neat, it was neat to see everyone come into town. Mm-hmm. 
also watching it, people meet each other and become friends yeah. and that's fun too. Yeah. Yeah. I think the whole thing was really interesting. And I think, you know, some people that I know that were mm-hmm. there had a really yeah. great transformative experience. Yeah. Yeah, pretty cool. Yeah, it is cool. Yeah, I I was not there the entire time, but I know I also liked it. I liked the parts that I was there for. <laughs> we we yeah we we liked it when you came. It was like yeah a special guest star. It was good, but we were bummed that you weren't there the whole time. Um, okay, what else? What else? What else? I don't know. Well, I think I think it would be yeah, just interesting to maybe revisit a couple of the things we've talked about okay over the course of these 11 to 18 episodes yeah like what well like i mean god okay not not that i've opened a can of worms where do i even begin you know there's something that that we were talking about in um at the retreat about desire and I think desires, I think this is always a good one to talk about. Desire and following charm. <clears throat> and we've talked about it in this podcast. We talked about it on the re- retreat. But it's, it's one of those things I don't think students can hear enough of because understanding how things, how, how this all works is, uh, is just beneficial to the way we lead our lives. And the idea is, it, it, first, is to follow charm. That's we want to. We want to find a place where we can start doing that all the time. It's very important because nature's language is binary. It's charm and aversion. When nature communicates with us, it's either charm or or some degree of charm or some degree of aversion. And what we want to do is, if something's charming, is move in that direction immediately. Do not hesitate, and don't try to get permission uh, from your intellect. We don't need the intellect to ratify what nature has al- already told us because the intellect wants reasons. It wants to, it wants it reasons and excuses to prove and justify and verify that we're doing the right thing. That'll come after if you just go ahead and follow charm. So but, whatever. But wait. Yeah. Hold up. But I, I always have questions about this. Yes, because it, it seems like a slightly confusing premise. Okay, let's 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 deconstruct it then and make it non-confusing. Okay, because if you're always following charm, mm-hmm. wouldn't you just be like a puppy at that point, just chasing everything around, like squirrel, ball, this, that, no, and not necessarily, and eschewing responsibility or things that are. Right. I, I understand this, and I think when people first hear this, they, they this comes up. Yeah. Like, when I first heard this, I thought, well, if I just follow charm, aren't I just going to be drunk all the time? <laughs> <laughs> you know? Um, I was a baby meditator then. <laughs> Meditating for, like, an hour, and I'd be like, follow charm? Really? You're saying that to me? Maybe say it to other people, but I don't think you want to say it to me. <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to need... A dedicated uh, person to wheel me around in a wheelbarrow <laughs> or some kind of cart. Uh, I get it, except that we're charm doesn't necessarily mean we're trying to gratify ourselves. It's not gratification. Um, but if you're very stressed out and you follow charm, it could be all gratification, and that's why that's why this uh, we, we have to assume. Where I have to assume that the people listening to this podcast are meditators and have been transcending. And if you haven't been transcending and you don't do Vedic meditation, I would I would just backburner the follow charm thing okay. and get transcending. Get, get get a practice. Learn with me or one of my colleagues first. Wait, interesting. Yeah. This is a this change. is for medit this, this is for meditators. Okay. You've never heard me say this to a group of people who don't meditate. And what is the distinction? Um, How can you identify these distinction in there? Like, what is the? Well, if you're not meditating, then I have a pretty good idea how much stress is in your body. And if a lot of stress is in your body, that's affecting the thoughts you have. And when people are stressed out, 
when they have thoughts that have to do with desires, a lot of it has to do with getting out of discomfort. How can I get out of discomfort? Well, vices, you know, um, or uh, escapism, or shutting down. There, there's a whole uh, battery of choices that stressed out people make right. to escape the own dis- the, the, the discomfort of their own mind. And so if you tell them to follow charm, maybe not a good idea. Okay. But you get someone who's meditating. I they, didn't know that, that was there was yeah. levels. Yeah, to this. this is this is this knowledge, this knowledge, this Vedic knowledge and the mechanics of some of these laws of nature are for people who meditate. And and for people with worthy inquiry. Right. That's pretty much it. If you're not curious or if you don't have a practice, it's probably not good for you. Um, and chances are, if you don't have a practice and you don't have worthy inquiry, you wouldn't get in four minutes into this podcast. None of this would be interesting to you anyway. So the people who are listening to this right now, um, if you don't have uh, a, a practice, but you're but you're listening to every word I say, then that means there's a certain amount of worthy inquiry for you, or that you have, and then that this knowledge is for you. So. We follow charm when we have had a chance to get rid of some of the stresses through deep meditation and had a chance to, for our individuality to interface with being or pure consciousness. When that happens, the individuality is, is merging with the self, with its source, and it's coming up informed by the source and taking all of the, uh, the characteristics of pure consciousness with it. So when we emerge out of meditation, we feel more creative. We feel greater silence inside, like a nice divine peace or calm, unboundedness. Uh, We have better organizing power. We're more ready to go into the field of action to execute, but but we're not worrying about how am I going to get it done. Oftentimes, we don't know how we're going to get something done. We meditate, and then the answer is there, and we just go and put it into action. Right. So following charm to a meditator, uh, I don't think, you know, where does a meditator find their gratification? Transcendence. Because if you're transcending, that's a, that's such a greater, uh, it it, it takes away the need for gratification outside of you. Right. And that's not to say that if you're a meditator, you can't enjoy pleasures. Pleasure is part of the array of experiences that are, that we deserve. But when you put pleasure first and you're using pleasure to get out of discomfort of your own mind, this is why you see people, you know, going crazy, you know, um, and, uh, and parting way too hard. You know, we, we know these people. And, but, but charm is more like, as you continue to meditate, you'll have these moments where you think, like, I have to go into this bookstore. And it doesn't make any sense. You know, maybe you just walked out of another bookstore, <laughs> you know, or you have to, or you get, uh, you, you know, you go, maybe you're walking home, you know, and you want to walk by all the pretty trees on East Alameda, and something tells you go up Canyon Road. And you think, no, I want, want the pretty trees. But the charm is like Canyon Road. like, And then what happened? I turned up, and 30 seconds later, ran into you, Daisy, and Alex. Yeah. That was great. Yeah. But that's such a little, it's such a little thing, but it's such a big thing. And who really got to enjoy that moment the most? Me. And, and I remember right before, I thought, I don't want to go up Canyon. I want to see the, the pretty yellow leaves. And I went, and then I remembered, I just remembered hearing my teacher say, follow charm at all costs. And I was like, oh, God, okay, fine. And I walked up, and there the three of you were. And it was just a great moment. Yeah. It was a great little moment. Did it change my life? Probably not. But who knows? Who am I to say? Maybe someone was super depressed walking down Canyon Road and saw the four of us reunite and start laughing and think, you know, I should probably reach out to my friend. Maybe I can talk to him. Like, we don't know. We're not always privy to 
the the effects or that that's going to happen in our event horizon because right. of that. It, it you know we don't as my teacher said also we, things don't happen for a reason they happen for all the reasons. So when you have a desire, you have to follow it because if nature gives you the desire and you don't do it, you're not a servant of nature. So if you have the desire, like, let's say, to buy a new guitar, we're in a music room, so I'm really not being very creative right now. <laughs> I'm surrounded by guitars. You really just reached for the first thing in front of him. Right, or a washing machine. Um, <laughs> if you suddenly have, you know, uh, an urge to buy a guitar, you might think, well, I have a guitar and I like it and I don't really need to and we have all those guitars downstairs. But then after you're... You, talked yourself out of it you might notice that the charm to go to this vintage shop that sells old guitars is still there you have to go don't try and talk yourself out of it just get in the car and go because if you wait too long the window might close okay and nature needs you to get a guitar but also there might be other things attached to that that we don't know about and it could be something like um you know, you leave the guitar to Vivi uh, in your will, and then she, you know, plays guitar, but then she finds a, a note hidden inside from the previous owner before you that does, we, we, we can't right. understand it, and we don't need to ask. Just follow charm. If you find something ch charming, move in that direction. That's it. And, and find a way to practice that. You know, do it, uh, you know, the next time you have a weekend, and you know you have some time on your hands, just say for the next, you know, eight hours, I'm going to follow charm. Yeah. What you might find is that you spend eight hours on the couch. Yeah. That's fine. That's a worthy experiment. But, um, but we have to start finding ways to put it into practice. Now with desires, you know, we, we desires bubble up and we're supposed to do the same thing. We follow our desires. We go into action and try to fulfill the desires, but we don't have this is the tricky part. We don't have attachments to specific timings and outcomes. So if we start fantasizing about how it's going to unfold and how it should unfold, we're organizing suffering for ourselves. If we start fantasizing how we've become greater because of the fulfillment of the desire, we've stolen the desire from right. nature and we just organize suffering for ourselves. So if you get into that position where you're like, okay, I want, you know, maybe you write a book and you want a publishing deal and, uh, and you're driving along and you're being interviewed by Oprah about, about the book in, the in, in your or head, in, okay, in your yeah, head yeah. while you're driving along, you've just stolen the desire from nature yeah. and you realize what you're doing. This is not a time for self-punishment. This is a time for just self-awareness. You can step back and think, oh, look at what my mind's doing. That's hilarious. That's okay. I don't need to be on Oprah, you know. But my mind is that there's still an attachment there, but you want to laugh at it and have a sense of humor. Condescend to yourself a little bit, like, oh, there you go. Right. And then you can leave it. So bringing in self-awareness is really good. Because you don't want to say, this must happen within three months, or I feel oh. drawn to this, but it needs to take place. Yeah. Can you imagine? I mean... I wrote that script that um, HBO picked up a long time ago, but it took me 25 years. Right. Can you imagine if I was on a, uh, <laughs> if I had, if I wanted it to happen in three years, I would have been suffering for 22. Do you think that that knocks people off the drum drain? Um, I think what knocks people because off. Because we are human, and that is yes. a very human thing to do. It's a very human thing to do, but, but, but we want to train ourselves gently about this. We want to fulfill our desires. We have a desire. They're really not our desires. We have to, we have to understand that. If you have a desire to make um, a movie about Bo Diddley buying washing machines. <laughs> As most people do. As most people do. There's a few things. One, um, yeah, you, you, the fulfillment... How you fulfillment, fulfill the desire and the timing in which you do it shouldn't matter at all. You should just move in that direction. You know, start writing, start 
casting for Bo, that kind of thing. Um, but if you find that, uh, you know, what you might find is <clears throat> a month into it, you hear someone got a Bo Diddley washing machine deal. And someone else, one of your contemporaries. But there also. is a line of washing machines that are the Bo Diddley classic <laughs> yeah. that I've really had my eye on. I'm so glad you're bringing this up. But this happens all the time, too. If, yeah. if, if you have a desire, that means nature is giving you a desire. There's an intent in nature to manifest a Bo Diddley movie. And if you get the desire, you, you have to be sure that probably 10 other people just got the right. idea as well. Because consciousness is looking for wakefulness. And we all are, you know, awake and asleep back and forth to some extent. But some of us have radars about super, about certain things, like movie ideas. Or so how does that music. work on a more personal level? Like what? Well, like, I really want that guitar. Does that mean 10 people want that same guitar? Um, it, no, it, it, we wouldn't have to get into it. If it's a creative idea, then you have to execute. You right. have to move in the direction. Right. Um, I'm working on that a uh, movie that I told you about, right. and I don't really want to say what it is. You know what it is, and some friends know what it is, but right. I don't want to say it. But my biggest concern is that, um, you that's know, something that that's something that, that someone it's else been got downloaded. Right <laughs> when I got the idea for the script a long time ago, yeah, I was you. I I was when I like. Two years after I got that idea and I was developing it, the X-Files came out. And it's very close because it was a funny X-Files. Right. And I was beside myself. I And then I... The previous. The, I'm just clarifying. Yes, yes. the previous. Yeah. So when X-Files came on, I was like, how did they... This is my... How did they know? This is my script. And then I saw it. I'm like, oh, this isn't it at all. Yeah. Mine's a, uh, a funnier version of this. Yeah. So... Um, but desires, we, we, we have to move on them. And the thing is, is, if we don't have attachment to specific timings or outcomes, then when that desire doesn't get fulfilled, there may be a brief little disappointment. That's okay. But we won't suffer. And the more, the better we are at this, we won't suffer at all and maybe not, not even be disappointed. We may just arrive at the guitar shop. Maybe you get there and the guitar has just been sold. Now what do you do? Look around. Maybe you're still there for another reason. Maybe wanting the guitar was actually to get you in there to talk to the person behind the counter. But let me clarify. Yeah. That makes sense. But it does not resolve us from personal accountability at the same time. Sure. So give me the scenario. Like, are you saying like you have a desire to rob a bank? Yeah. That's okay. A great one. Okay. If you have a desire to rob a bank... Here's what I would think. Let's say, or charm. Let's say charm is strong to rob a bank. Yeah. And you're also a meditator, and you've been transcending. But you have to rob this bank. Del Norte Credit Union, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Not that they deserve it. Um, uh, he, here's what I would do. I, I don't. I've never had charm to do something like that. But let's say you—it's so convincing that you think nature might actually want you to rob the bank. What I would do is find if there's greater charm somewhere. Is there greater charm to not go to jail than to rob the bank? Is there because you can have what you want, but you have to take com what comes with it? Um, where is there greater charm? Like you might find it very charming to go to um i don't know maybe there's maybe maybe someone is coming into town and i don't know maybe pj harvey is going to come and play a little show and uh and you want to go but um you know vivian shep have a little fever where's the greater charm it's gonna be your kids right even though you may really wanted to go see pj or whoever it is nico case that would be it. That would be it. <laughs> that would be it. Yeah. Yeah. Nico case, and right before you leave, the kids come down with a temperature, and you really want to go, and Adam says, "It's okay. I got the kids." Now what do you do? You might go with greater charm, which is your, your kids. You might think, "I've seen. It. I. I. I've yeah. got the album. It's okay." But what I really want to do is make sure they're okay. Right. 
So robbing the bank comes around. Where's the greater charm? Who would miss me if I was in jail for 10 years? Um, but, you know, the thing is, is that there has to be room in this universe for you actually robbing that bank. Right. Maybe you're supposed to rob the bank. I don't know. I don't know. You heard it here first. Go out and rob that bank. Never a bad idea. I've never had charm move me in in that kind of direction. I've had charm move me in different directions where I had to say, okay, there's a lot that comes with this if I move in that direction. Um, and then I, and then it might be time to bring a little, um, you know, you, you, then you weigh out the greater charm. You might even bring, I, cause I normally say don't ever bring in the intellect. Okay. Especially when we're learning this, we, we, we want to live through the heart and through instinct because here's the thing, charm the detection of charm through our fine level of feeling is closer to the absolute, in other words, pure consciousness than the intellect. It has better information than the intellect. Intellect, shoddy information. Yeah. Very shoddy information. And the intellect is running the show in almost everybody I know. Meditators, though, especially my colleagues, we, we're all like, I was like, yeah, I'm just going to do this. You know, you should hear how we talk to each other on the phone. What are you doing? I don't know. I think I'm going to go to Madagascar and and um, and, and make wine, and then uh, and then I'm going to teach some natives how to meditate. And, and then you know, three months later, you see like a picture of Instagram, and they're like crushing grapes, and they have with all their students or something like that. There, we're always there's just a, such a nice flow, and no one's making long term plans. It's like, oh, this is interesting now. I'm moving in this direction. And then all the other non-meditators are like, it's intellect. Well, you have to do this and this and this. Like, oh, where's your 401k? You know, do you have a 401k? Our long-term plans, not real. Our long-term plans, not real. Long-term plans can be a desire. And I don't think, I think... It's okay to see certain things that you want and have a kind of bucket list, but the it's not unvedic to have long-term plans. It's fine to have long-term plans, but are you attached to, to them or not? Will the fulfillment make you and will it not being fulfilled break you? Or does it matter? Fulfilled or not fulfilled can't make or break me, you know? If the desire is there, then we want to go for it. But um, but if we get into this, I have to do this, or else, or else I'll be crushed. Well, you've already stolen the desire. So, I make plans all the time. I love making plans, but especially when I travel. But my favorite thing to do is like if I get to a new city, have some plans and then throw them all out the window. Yes. That's the way to do things. Have some ideas about what you want to do. But re be ready to sacrifice them the second you get there. What's more fun than that? But if you're like, no, we have to be here at this time and this time, it just gets, if you travel with someone like that, it's exhausting and boring. And awful. Yeah, you want to be like, I have all these ideas, and I don't give a shit if we do any of them. You, we're the same in that way, because yeah. everything is like a treasure hunt. You know, it's yeah, like, yeah, oh, yeah. someone told me to check out this, <laughs> and then you go there, and you're like, something else told me to do this. And exactly. Then it's just, yeah. Yeah. But that's, and that's, I think, th I mean, that's just my preference in how to live. <laughs> Is the mic giving you problems? I'm slouching towards the microphone. <laughs> <laughs> slouching towards the microphone. Um, so I think, I, I hope that helps. You know, we, we go after our desires. Don't worry about, you know, I always hear this, especially in group meditations. Well, what if charm says do heroin? You know, it's like, come on. It's, you know, for a heroin addict, there may be that, right. but, but the greater charm might actually be to, um, to find happiness within yourself yeah. and make that stable. So you don't have to go for, you know, things outside of yourself. But, um, but what I if the charm is hurtful to someone else, not to yourself? 
Well, the first thing I would say is how do you know it would be and to what extent? Um, this is very, this is a very interesting area, you know, because I think most people in any kind of relationships can, can think, think about this, you know, because people are different, you know, you're, um, I, I can speak from my own experience that, um, you know, th- I got into this a lot with a with a r- previous relationship. You know, th- choices I were making seemed to directly affect this person, and this person was suffering a lot over very natural choices that I were making yeah. for myself yeah. that didn't requ- require someone to be hurt over it, but they were. Um, so in those cases, I just continued making the choices because the other way wasn't working, which was to make sure the other person was okay all the time. Then what is that teaching that person and what am I getting out of life? We want to be ourselves, but we also want the person at some point to be, to like wake up to, I don't have to suffer because you decided to stop and see a friend and, you know, during your road trip. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and, you know, and like, because of those things, like I, I you know, this is if we're walking it or on thin ice right here. I want to make sure I don't <laughs> give too many details, but, um, but something like that happened. And I wound up like, you know, kind of getting kicked out of the house for a week. Yeah. For what? I went and saw a friend and, it, that had nothing to do that du- ha- had nothing to do directly but i worried about it i took that on but after that i was like Mm-mm, no i'm going to make decisions for myself and then it's that person's responsibility to handle their own response to it and uh, you know and they didn't what's evolutionary you know, it might be the most evolutionary thing for the person I'm talking about to have gone through that. Maybe not, maybe there's all these opportunities to evolve. And I'm not deliberately trying to create them, but at the same time, I had to, it's very interesting when it gets into relationships. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's tricky. It's tricky. And that's why, it's why it helps if, if people are, both people are meditating. I, talk, I, I have a lot of students who they're the only one in the relationship who meditates. And that's tricky. So I think, I think the thing to do is still follow charm, but favor compassion, empathy, and, uh, and understand that. That and also favor like follow greater charm as well. Right? Is there greater charm? You know, and and you have to weigh all that out. It's it's not easy, but it's I think one of the one of the interesting things is is you can evolve so quickly in a relationship. Uh, relationships are they're never for you can never make each other happy. Right. Re- relationships are you bring all your baggage to it and then <laughs> and then what most people do is they look at the other person and say now you're responsible for my right. happiness right. and that is that is that is not good not going to go well but if you both come in and and everyone comes in wounded no one who doesn't we all have our quirks our wounds whatever but we want to have we want to increase our baseline happiness so relationships become a showcase for happiness. Right. That's that's the way to do it. And we should do a whole podcast on that. I think that has to be our next one. It should. In two. In, In two. two. Our next so, one is already spoken for. Yes, yeah, 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 our next one. But after that, we'll, we should do a relationship one for sure. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Good. Yeah. Who's the happiest person that you know? <sighs> Pandit Bhaskaran. Who's that? Panditji. He is my dear friend. Um, 
he's uh, I, I haven't I shown you a picture of him? Most people in this podcast, not all, but most will know who I'm talking about. Um, he is a oh I have this on airplane mode. I was just going to show you a picture. He's a pundit. He's a little Indian man. He looks like an Ewok. He's about he's under five feet. I love an Ewok. Oh, he's. If there's anything I love, it's an Ewok. He's so. He's the most adorable, happy man I've ever met. Is he a meditator? Oh yeah, he <laughs> teaches. He's taught more more people to meditate than than Tom. Um, he's taught thousands of people in India, and he's also a pundit, which means he's he's a pujari, or, or he, he gives he knows um, he knows all the mantras. Um, he does yagyas, fire ceremonies, <clears throat> and. He, he, he's so brilliantly happy. He's congealed bliss or bliss incarnate. If bliss, if the laws of nature of bliss were to take a body and a life, it would be Pandit Bhaskaran. He's a joy. You'll get to meet him one day. Yeah. You'll absolutely, everyone falls in love with him. The second they see him, they fall head over heels in love with him. We'll call him, we'll FaceTime him sometime. You got to meet him. You can meet him over FaceTime. He's great. He's so great. And, uh, oh, yeah, he's the happiest person I know. And he's been meditating since he was about six or seven years old. He, uh, he, he went to um, live with Maharishi at that age. His parents dropped him off, and he had a talent, and he became a, a pundit and learned all these. He's a Jyotish. He's, he knows, he's just an amazing person. He's, he's the heart of our community. We, we just adore him. He says Jay Gurudev constantly. <laughs> Jay Gurudev. Yeah, Cassidy knows him. You should ask her about him. He's just amazing. He's the happiest person. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Who's the happiest person you know? My nanny who raised me. She passed away a little while ago, but Aww. she was the happiest, most content, just radiant person Whoa. I've ever met. Ever. What was her name? Betty. Betty. Yeah, Miss Betty. Miss Betty? Mm. That's really sweet. Yeah. Gosh. After that, Hank. Oh, shoot. He's a dog. He's Darn. a dog. But he's a good boy. Good boys count, I think. <laughs> <laughs> um, what else? I don't know. I think this is a good, I think yeah. this is a good annual wrap up. I think so, too. About 10 shows, three guests, new listeners. Yep. Um, and it's so fun going on Buzzsprout, who publishes it, and seeing all the cities and countries that people listen to this. Hong Kong, someone in France listens to us. Someone in France. Yeah, we someone love in you, France. French person. We I can't wait you. to be your friend. Yeah, Mexico City. It is, you know, uh, and of course, lots in LA, New York, Santa Fe. And let's not forget New Zealand. Melbourne, Auckland, New Zealand, Christchurch. Australia, yep. yep. Yeah, we love you, Australia and New Zealand. Have we ever had a Madagascar? No. Damn. No. Foiled. <laughs> well, I, that's I'll, my new mission is to get Maybe that's a desire some, that's uh, bubbling up right yeah. now. And you have yeah. to you have to figure that out, organize it. Yeah. Yes. And But we appreciate everybody. We appreciate everybody. We appreciate um we've also Think about many places we've done this. My parents' living room. Yep. Uh, San Antonio Street with Michael. Yes. The the guest house. Yes. The children's room. Yep. The office. The office. Yeah. And the studio. the studio. So six places, six locations. Did we ever try to do it outside? No. No. Adam no. was against that. Speaking of Adam, hi. Hi. Yes. And of course, big thanks to Adam as well. And thank you to Adam. Because Adam is our producer. You come on in. You're just in time. <laughs> Open. Oh, wait. I think oh, I'm is it locked? But Adam produces this. He, he does all the tech for us. And we're, and he we're also so teaches grateful. us how to use microphones yes, and everything. Mine doesn't work. So like, thank you, Adam, thank very you. much. Why does mine do that? I keep doing that. And that's it, right? That's it. Oh, it, and I think that's it. That's our big wrap-up. 
<laughs> He's trying. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> They're having a war on which direction the mic goes. <laughs> it's very funny. All right. All right. Well, this was great. Yes. Thank you. Thanks. Bye. 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 In their stalls, we bend and fold. We bend and we fold. Light spirit countlessly through countless unmirrored walls. Straight to the bloom, rose red.